Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 16 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. And with me for Championship Week, as always, is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. And joining us for his second long-form guest appearance this season is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSU Ram 88, a two-time DFS world champion and a co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, week 16, the biggest week of the season. Do you still have some high-stakes seasonal teams in the running for number one? Not for number one. Lost uh, one of the most brutal season-long beats I've had, uh, which everyone posts screenshots and whatnot, but uh, really big league, lost by five points with Kenyon Drake, 14-team uh, league, scored 155 points. The other semifinals was 120 to 101. So that was frustrating. Uh, I had like 40-some best ball teams on draft to get through uh, initially, and I lost all of them in week 13. So it's an anticlimactic season-long league, but luckily we still have DFS, and uh, it was a good week of DFS last week. So hoping the chalk does well relatively again this week. And, uh, yeah, how about you guys? I'm sure you guys are in a lot of championships. Yeah, so I'm in the uh, championship match against my dad in the, in the league that my dad started back when I was one years old. I don't think we've ever faced each other, so it's it's pretty emotional matchup there. It's not for as much money as some of my other leagues, but more of a uh, sentimental matchup. So I'm coming for you, Dad. That's nice. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, Raybon, what about you? Yeah, in one of my big home leagues, uh, I had Kenya Drake too, so um, going to the championship in that one. But, yeah, no no real luck with uh, with best ball this year as much. A um, bunch of my teams got uh, just killed by all the, what was it, Darwin Thompson, Tony Pollard, all those guys' exposure. Um, too little, too late. So um, trying to win this home league, and uh, hopefully I can keep riding uh, Kenyon. Yeah, so there are three uh, three leagues that I kind of care about the most. Uh, one is the long long time uh, dynasty league I've had with friends from high school, and I am uh, you know uh, in the championship game, have a chance to win for the fifth time in eight years. But it would be the first time that it would be back to back, so uh, that will be very very uh, exciting if that works out. And then in another league, uh, dynasty as well. Uh, it's an industry league, and I'm in the championship game uh, facing JJ Zacharyson. So a a good a good matchup there. So uh, and then in the third one, uh, which I co-manage with Mans, uh, we are dead last in that league, which is no surprise considering uh, that the two of us are teaming up on that. So anyway, a a good week, an exciting week, an exciting time of the year. Uh, so let's get into it. In this episode, we are breaking down the players at the top of our rankings, which are available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We're discussing the guys who are high and low on, and we are speculating on some props. Let's start at the quarterback position. The three guys at the top of our rankings, not a surprise, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, 
in Russell Wilson. Of course, keep in mind that Deshaun Watson is playing on Saturday, so off the main slate. But for everyone who is playing in season log, you will want to think about him. He's got a nice matchup on the road at Tampa Bay. Pete, who are some of the guys that you are relatively high on this week? And is there anyone that you would want to include in that top tier at the position? Well, I think Lamar Jackson's in a tier of his own uh, across the industry. We've just seen it. He's just been so ridiculously good uh, throughout the entire season that I think he's clearly the guy um, that you want to target. Uh, obviously, he's expensive, but Russell Wilson is the, the next guy for me, just in terms of raw projection that I think uh, is a really compelling play and probably is going to grade out uh, as a better play in DFS given his uh, discounted price. Uh, Arizona, obviously, is a really good matchup. And, uh, you know, Russell Wilson uh, could have had a really big game last week. Uh, just kind of the game flow didn't work in his favor. Started off with a couple touchdown passes to lock the Metcalf. So we'll see what transpires there. And then getting into the cheaper options, I mean, I love this Miami-Cincinnati game. Uh, so I'm pretty high on Ryan Fitzpatrick as well as Andy Dalton. And I think uh, Philip Rivers is interesting – problem is he just really never has a big ceiling game um that's kind of where i'm looking now what do you guys think i'm high on gardner Minshew as a gpp play um he's just off the season long radar um you know i have him qb 18 right now but he has some sneaky upside in this matchup and he's only 5500 um pete just mentioned rivers at 5700 i think that's kind of the range i'll be targeting this week lamar is just super expensive at 8k um but gardner should be getting uh, dj chark this back this week um, and he's, you know, he's rushed for over 25 yards in, I believe, five straight games. Um, so he's a guy that's just – he's going to be super low-owned. Um, he hasn't really done much lately, but he still has that upside. It's, it's at Atlanta. This is sort of a meaningless game that could actually turn into a shootout. Um, so, so I tend to like the over on this game as well. Um, but, yeah, Gardner Mitchell at 5,500, going to be low-owned. And, um, you know, out of all these guys in this price range, I think he has the highest upside. Sean, you mentioned Philip Rivers. He's the guy who's popping the most in the Friedman model at Fantasy Labs, which I should say I think is the sexiest of our models. Uh, Raybon, who are you relatively high on this week? I think Kyler Murray in that uh, Seattle-Arizona game. Uh, I think that's a really good call from Pete with Russell Wilson. Uh, this is just a, an amazing spot for him. Arizona's defense has been extremely bad, and I think that you could kind of create some uh, shootout potential going back the other way with Kyler in that one. So uh, I like him. And then Ryan Tannehill going back to him in a game that could be pretty high scoring with the Saints, even though they are on the road. You know, Ryan Tannehill, this, you pointed it out in your uh, weekly trends piece at Action Network Friedman, but uh, Ryan Tannehill has every game he's been playing, they've been hitting the over. And there's actually a trend that goes back to even when he was in Miami, um, the, when, he's, when he was at home, uh, the over was hitting at about a 75% clip so, uh, since 2016. So I, I think that after seeing how Drew Brees played uh, on Monday night and, and Michael Thomas, you know, no one's going to be able to guard him. Uh, I think that you're going to probably see another one of these uh, higher scoring games uh, with, with Tennessee. Yeah, uh, Raybon, I totally agree. I, I like a shootout in that game. One guy I'm relatively high on is Jameis Winston. I know he doesn't have Evans, doesn't have Godwin, but he does have the will to throw the ball 50 times per game and to throw it as far as he can. And he has a great matchup going against the Houston Texans. He's at home, so I like this spot for him. Pete, who are you relatively low on? Relatively low on is a good question uh, at this point in time of the week. Uh, I guess Rivers would be – I just brought him up just for tournaments. Uh, if you look through Rivers' game log – he just really never gets like that huge, huge tournament winning spot. And I know this is a great matchup against Oakland and 
actually think he's in consideration for cash, but the lack of ceiling for Philip Rivers is, is a real concern for me. Um, you know, another guy that I think might start getting a lot of, uh, you know, pub would be someone like Dak Prescott, who I've been high on throughout the year. I think I'd rather pay up to Russell Wilson relative to Dak. Um, you know, going into Philadelphia, I still have respect for their defense, even though they've been, you know, getting torched by the past. So uh, it's tough to figure out um, who I'm really short on early in the week, but I think Rivers for tournaments would be the one I have the most conviction on. I hate to say the bad things about Dak because I'm a big Dak, Amari, Gallup guy, but uh, second divisional game, obviously really important. Uh, I do think it's more important uh, to pay up for someone like Russell Wilson. Sean, what do you think? Who are you relatively low on? Um, so this guy's on the main slate, so this is more for season long, but Jared Goff, I'm low on him again this week. Last week I mentioned um, it's pretty easy to spot when he's going to have a good game or struggle. Um, it's usually, uh, you know, teams that are able to generate pressure, that's when he's guaranteed to struggle, and teams that don't generate pressure, he usually goes off. Um, and, you know, the first 57 minutes of the game, he was probably um, sub top 25 QB numbers um, and then just managed to have some great garbage time stats to I think he ended up in the top 15 but this week at San Francisco you know the third most pressure um, team in the league uh, he's going to struggle and I don't think we're going to get that garbage time um, at the very end so he's I haven't uh, ranked as my QB 22 right now so uh, despite you know managing to put up a decent score last week I think you have to to fade him in your championship games this week and look elsewhere. Rayvon what about you? Uh, Aaron Rodgers for me, and that's been kind of a consistent theme for me all year, unless he's in one of these really smash matchups. I just don't think the Packers have any interest in really getting in shootout type of game flows nowadays. They also tend to put up points early in the game in the first quarter maybe, but they, they, sh- they, they kind of slow down and, and, and go quiet for long stretches. And they're just an inconsistent offense that I think for the first time in Rodgers' career – he really has a running back that is taking what normally would be touchdown passes. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers under McCarthy, they were passing inside the five, but I think the highest clip in, in the league for, for like every year, year in, year out. And Aaron Rodgers was connecting on those touchdown throws at the highest rate in the league. And now you're seeing Aaron Jones with all these multiple touchdown games. And a lot of times that, there's not much else with that offense. So, you know, Minnesota, you know, Mike Zimmer defense, you know, going to be a competitive game. Division games usually go uh, under late in the year. I, I just don't like the spot for Rodgers. So I have him at QB 18 right now. All right. One guy I'm low on. This is probably low hanging fruit, but Jacoby Brissett, the showing on Monday night football in week 15 was absolutely atrocious and playing against Carolina. Uh, I just don't think it's the right matchup. Carolina is really exploitable via the running game. And so uh, the, the Colts tend to lean toward the running game anyway. So even if offensively they have success and I don't even think that's a given but even if they do have success I think it will be more on the ground and through the running backs than through Jacoby Brissett so I think it's pretty easy to get away from him this week Sean I want to kick it to you for our quarterback prop of the week by the way everyone should be sure to check out the fantasy labs prop tool the bets for the props that have a bet quality of 10 going back to last season have a 60 percent hit rate so a pretty pretty good tool Sean so uh, you just mentioned him, but um, I'm going to go Jameis Winston, total passing yards at home against the Texans, um, likely without Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So this is a really tricky uh, projection. And I, I took him uh, at the beginning of the year at 11 to 1, I think it was, to have the most passing yards. Um, the only guy that can catch him right now is Dak. So I, I need him to keep this up. 
Um, but first QB ever to have back-to-back 450-yard games through the air. So, um, I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. I have him at 302 and a half right now. I'll take the over. Uh, I like the matchup. And uh, I have him at, I believe, yeah, looking at it, just a little under 312. So okay. we're not all that far off, but I'll take the over. I'll take the over too, given the matchup against Houston. And uh, this game should have a lot of passing in general. So that suits uh, both offenses as well. It should be really fantasy friendly. Uh, obviously the Godwin and Evans injuries hurt, but I still think Jameis is going to throw it a ton. And uh, for your sake, Sean, hopefully he keeps uh, putting up the arch. <laughs> Oof, I'll balance it out and take the under. I think uh, we've seen this out of Jameis before we, where he just goes off and then he could have an ugly game. So uh, we, don't, we also don't know exactly how Tampa Bay is going to play this now with two, two of these guys out. Um, they could be a little more uh, run-oriented. Houston's not really good at, at stopping the run either. So uh, I have him a little bit under, uh, little bit under 300 conservatively for, for now. Yeah, I mean, do you think they'll just do more two tight end sets? I, I could see Howard and Brait having big games. He sells Perryman. I, I think they still have weapons for him to not not take too big of a step back. But yeah. it's a tricky projection. It's I, the the tough thing is, let's say they go with more Howard because Brait did run. I think it was the fifth most or fourth most routes last week. And if they go more Howard, more Brait, or there's more targets going to the running backs, like the pass attempts can stay the same, but it. Like those air yards that Evans and Godwin were yeah. kind of eating up, if if he doesn't get those back with like a Perriman who's been you know very volatile, uh, it'll be tough, I, I think, to hit it. So it's it's like a super high volatility proje- projection. Yeah, yeah, that's really fair to Raybon's point. Evans was like one of the top air yards receivers in the league, and Godwin was one of the top yards after the catch receivers. <laughs> so like without both of those guys, uh, his passing projection could take a hit there. So uh, good point. Let's get to running backs. We have at the top of our rankings, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Carson, and Ezekiel Elliott. A pretty good triumvirate of runners there. One uh, one guy to keep an eye on is Dalvin Cook. We are recording this earlier in the week, uh, so his injury issues uh, haven't really been settled yet. Uh, if he plays this week, I imagine he will be at least in our top five but uh, you know, maybe, maybe top three even. So be sure to keep an eye on him uh, and remember that these rankings can change and will change as the week progresses. Pete, who are you looking at this week? Guys, you're relatively high on. Anyone you would want to include in the top tier of the position? Yeah, I'm absolutely in love with Joe Mixon this week who has been trending uh, completely in the right direction, now gets a dream matchup against the Dolphins. And uh, I love his involvement uh, both in the running game where he's gotten – 23 and 25 attempts the last two weeks and uh last three weeks he's uh been seeing more targets as well which is really encouraging he's been low owned all year I think he's a really really talented player I don't think Miami wants anything to do with winning this game given uh that you know all the tanking that they've done and the players are thrown out there so I love Mixon um it's a great bet on talent obviously the Bengals have been just pitiful all year but uh this is as good of a matchup as you're gonna see so He's one of my favorite plays overall. Um, you know, I think you can make compelling arguments for a lot of guys at the very top just in terms of raw projection. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is going to be the top guy. But after that, you know, Zeke, Carson, Saquon, uh, I think are all in consideration. And uh, one guy who's rating pretty well, I'm actually quite low on uh, that we'll get to here in a bit. Sean, who are you relatively high on? Um, I'm pretty high on Adrian Peterson this week. Um, it's a rare time where we get the Redskins as favorites. Um, so that, you know, that always helps Adrian Peterson's outlook. 
Um, you know, he has a touchdown three straight. Um, and with Darius Geis gone, he, he actually sort of absorbed his role and he, uh, his routes run per dropback shot up to 35% last week. And Chris Thompson stayed the same, uh, right, right in the mid forties. So, um, he actually matched Chris Thompson with three, three targets and three catches. Um, and you know, typically Adrian Peterson's a liability in a full PPR, um, format like DraftKings. But you know, if, if we can bank on two to four receptions this week and possibly 20 or more carries, he's in a smash spot at 5k. So uh, I'm pretty high on AP this week and Leonard Fournette, as always, I, I think he's pretty overlooked, um, at the low 7k range. Um, at Atlanta, he's coming off a season high, 89% of routes run. He always has the potential for, you know, six or more catches, but for some reason, Gardner Minshew doesn't like to dump it off as much as Nick Foles, but um, he has that potential this week, and he's due for touchdown regression. You know, unlike uh, Alvin Kamara, who has to deal with Latavius Murray, Drew Brees sneaking in from the one, and uh, Taysom Hill bullshit around the goal line, um, you know, Leonard Fournette's the main guy. He's going to get every touch. Um, inside the red zone. So um, only three touchdowns on the year is a bit of an outlier. So I think he's due for touchdown regression, and um, I'm looking for him to score this week. So at 7,200, um, I'll, I'll have a ton of exposure on Fournette. Rayvon, who do you like? Uh, going back to the Seahawk Cardinal game, I think, I think that game is going to be a pretty high-scoring game. Uh, I also like Kenyon Drake uh, again this week. Now, he didn't he – didn't, catch a pass last week he obviously got the four rushing touchdowns but um his he was running a route right on about 50 percent uh, of the dropbacks which he's been in the in the 40 to 60 range over the last three games so I think if this game kind of goes you know with Arizona down he'll get more involved in the passing game and Seattle's also been a below average run defense and as far like on the ground Drake is getting uh, a pretty huge share of the running back carries David Johnson's not mixing in at all that he's got three carries last game three carries the game before four the game before that so uh Kenyon Drake 83 uh, percent of the uh of the carries over the last two weeks 81 percent over the last three weeks uh, I think he's going to kind of be their main means of offense over these last couple games uh of the season you know he's going to kind of be that focal point that we saw against San Francisco and and, and Murray in the past game are going to kind of feed off that all right, so there are two guys uh, I like a decent amount. And, uh, yeah, Joe Mixon, I'm with Pete on that one. Uh, for a guy who's having what feels like a total shit burger of a season, he's still, like, pacing for around, like, 1,400 scrimmage yards, which is, you know, basically what he did last year. Uh, and, you know, he's doing it in far worse circumstances, so like his situation. Uh, and then Mark Ingram. Uh, I, I think people are just relatively low on him in general because he's a decent pass catcher, but he's not getting pass catching opportunities in his offense this year. And uh, he's you know being vultured uh, with a lot of rushing production by Lamar Jackson, but he's still getting a ton of goal line carries and also some red zone targets too. So uh, I mean, how many how many more touchdowns does this guy need to score before you know like he starts getting some respect? But uh, you know, I think a good matchup against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, uh, I believe, ranks number 28 in PFF rush grade uh, on defense. And the Ravens are obviously prolific running the ball. They run more than any other team, and they run more efficiently than any other team. So a lot to like about the matchup for Ingram. On the low end, Peter, you kind of teased it earlier in the show. Who are you looking to fade? Yeah, I think Alvin Kamara is, is a clear fade uh, at this point. And um Maybe not clear. I've played him a ton this year, but some pretty compelling evidence against him. And we just saw it again on Monday night. Now he's 7,500. Uh, since that high ankle sprain, 
he just has not been the same player. And uh, obviously a long stretch without touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, at 7,500, I think there's more compelling options. And uh, I love Alvin Kamara as a player. Uh, I think, you know, once he gets right, he's still going to be that same electric back. But we just haven't seen that burst. And uh, just the eye test last night on Monday was uh, was not good for Alvin Kamara. So I, I think I'm comfortable fading him even with his workload. I know he's rating well and we have a high projection on him. But, yeah, I think he's a pretty clear fade. Yeah, Pete, I'm, I'm with you there. My notes – so Kamara is the guy that I, I wrote in the outline that I wanted to fade. And my notes are 2017 and 18 isn't walking through that door which, uh, you know, it seems fairly obvious at this point. But, yeah, Kamara uh, has really underwhelmed, especially if you, you think of him relative, like even in season-long leagues, relative to what you would have had to invest in him. You know, you took him instead of Christian McCaffrey, instead of Saquon Barkley, instead of Zeke. Um, it hasn't worked out for Kamara investors. His uh, elusiveness and his missed tackles is just way down since a high ankle sprain. We've seen that as well from uh, Saquon Barkley. I mean, obviously, he finally did it against the Dolphins, but uh, that's been an injury that I think just people, obviously, the players come back a little earlier than we anticipate, but it's one of those things that's really tough. And here it is. Alvin Kamara, per pro football focus, before the ankle injury, his avoided tackle rate on runs was 34%. His avoided tackle rate on catches was 27%. And then after the ankle injury, his avoided tackle rate on runs 13% versus 34%, which way down. Avoided tackle rate on catches is 14%. That doesn't include the Monday night football game either. So there's so many things that are pointing to him just not being himself. And uh, high ankle sprains are just really tough to come back from. He's pretty high in our models. I haven't updated yet after the Monday night game. So after this, I'll be updating. And I'm sure he will see a significant drop. Everything you guys mentioned. And like I said, you know, he has some pretty um, stiff competition around the goal line. So that's that's why his touchdowns have been pretty low. Um, the guy I'm low on this week is Josh Jacobs at 6,700 at L.A. Um, and, you know, he saw 26 touches last week playing through that injured shoulder I thought that was you know showed a lot of courage by him um, it seems like a pretty uh, painful injury um, and you, you figure it was because of the the last game in Oakland um, that that narrative had something to do with it they, they had a lead for most of the game but you know with their playoff chances all but gone uh, I feel like they're going to just take it easy on him there's no reason to give him over 20 touches here and you know they're five and a half point road dogs this isn't really a game script where you'd want to play uh, Josh Jacobs he doesn't have uh, more than three three receptions in any game this year. I don't think that's changing this week. So at 6,700, I'm going to be off of uh, Josh Jacobs this week. And Raybon, what about you? Uh, for me, it's James Conner, um, 6,500. That's just a little too much for me uh, with Pittsburgh. Still working in four backs um, into the rotation. You never know how uh, the game script could kind of turn out or exactly how they're going to use those guys. Uh, Benny Snell took a couple of goal line snaps last week. Uh, nothing to show for it, but I think it's it's kind of a slippery slope with Connor uh, over that 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 six K mark, and he's in a pretty substantial committee. And then you have the Jets, who they're banged up on defense, but um, the Steelers they're not the Ravens as far as running the football, and the Jets still rank number two in in run defense DVOA. So uh, I think it's a it's a tougher matchup than I want at, at that price. And uh, four backs working in, there's just like a lot of that. Volatility, excuse me, that I think something could go wrong where Connor, you know, misses out on a touchdown or, or something like that, or just gets scripted out of the game, or they're using Benny Snell to kill clock or something. And he's also been an in-game injury risk, so uh, fading him at uh, 65. All right, Sean, give us the running back prop. So we're going to go with uh, Kenyon Drake total rushing and receiving yards. 
um, at Seattle. Um, I have it over under, um, man, this is a tough one, uh, 76 and a half. And it's, I mean, it's pretty incredible that DJ's, he seems to be relatively healthy and just, you know, two, three touches a game kind of guy. When's the last time we've seen a top five pick um, just get, you know, demoted like this? The Larry Chiefs, Johnson? Yeah, that- Larry, Larry Johnson with, uh, it was Jamal Charles. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was back when you would just, you would just be drafting the Chiefs running back. It didn't really matter who it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, what, 20 years ago? <laughs> A great question on the prop. I think Drake's a good one. Uh, I need to look into Seattle's injuries. They had a lot of guys on defense out last week. And I also saw Bobby Wagner on the ground. I don't oh, really yeah. If uh, that's something, you know, that I really want to dig into. So I'll take over, I guess, given all the potential injuries. But I would love to take under if I knew Seattle's defense was getting healthier. Um, but that's something to monitor. Like Bobby Wagner would be a huge impact. Yeah, they're saying his ankle injury is not considered serious. Okay. So. Back, reverse. <laughs> I'll take the under, but just barely. And I'm going over. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth, high-scoring game. Uh, the over tends to hit uh, when Seattle's at home uh, a lot more. I think this is one where, uh, you know, it's just going to be a game where Seattle is going to be able to put up points in Arizona. It's going to be an up-tempo game. And Drake has looked like their best back since the moment uh, he came to the team. And I think especially after this game, uh, they're, they're just going to keep feeding him. 22 carries out of the 25 backfield carries. And he's still running uh, around half the, the backfield routes. And probably would run more if there was a heavier uh, passing script as well. All right, let's talk about the wide receivers, the guys at the top of our rankings. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, again, playing on Saturday. And then Julio Jones going against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pete. Who are you relatively high on? Yeah, I just talked about Julio Jones. Really encouraging week last week with uh, Calvin Ridley obviously out. And this Jacksonville team has just been atrocious. So I didn't mention Devontae Freeman either. I think basically all the Falcons are, are really, really strong plays. Uh, this Jacksonville team has just been so, so, so bad. And now I don't know if you guys saw that story that came out there, how they were requiring people to do all their medical stuff with the team. And that was against the CBA rules. And there's just a million red flags with this uh, Jacksonville team. So I'm high on all the Falcons, and I think Julio sets up uh, extremely well. Obviously, his price tag came up after a really big game, but a really encouraging just spot for him last week, specifically the 20 targets. I mean, that is vintage Julio Jones, and uh, I think Atlanta will, will do their best to get him involved again as well. Obviously, have Michael Thomas, he's really expensive, but I think he's fine. The one guy I am willing to invest in uh, in the Chargers offense is Keenan Allen. I think he's, uh, you know, really at a nice price tag and saw 10 targets, caught nine balls for 99 yards. So on DraftKings, you know, he goes for 18.9 points, but was so close to just a really, really big game. Uh, if I'm going cheaper, I like Mike Williams as well. And then uh, someone that I'm targeting that I think might be a slight pay up to be contrarian spot on DraftKings is Terry McLaurin against the Giants. Uh, obviously, the Giants have been tanking and releasing guys, and uh, McLaurin has as much upside as any player. He's probably top 10 upside receiver in the NFL right now for me. So he's someone I'm also targeting uh, in tournaments. Sean, what about you? Um, so, you know, last week I was, I was high on Corlin Sutton this time last week, but uh, once I saw how much snow there was going to be, I backed off a bit. Uh, but he still managed to put up a pretty solid game, four catches, 79 yards in the snow. Uh, this week, he's at home against the Lions uh, at 6,200. Um, they've been torched by number one wide receivers lately. So um, I'm going to have a ton of him. He's my wide receiver 10 to start the week. Um, and he's, he's only the 12th most expensive 
uh, wideout on the, the main slate. And there's, you know, a ton of wide receivers not on the main slate. So um, he's pretty cheap there. I think we could see a ceiling game from him this week. And the other um, this GPP dart throw I'm going to make is John Ross at Miami uh, at 4,200. Um, my medium projections for him are pretty low right now. You know, three catches for 40 yards. He's not a recommended season-long um, start or anything, but um, he's great for GPPs. We saw him ease back in. Um, two weeks ago at 38% of routes run, and last week is up to 58. Um, so if he could get anywhere near the 80% we saw um, before he was placed on the IR, um, I mean, he has massive potential in this matchup um, at Miami. So I'll, I'll have a few flyers on him at 4,200. Yeah, it's a great call. Sorry to interject. I just wanted to talk because I was actually going to ask you guys about John Ross. Uh, I saw the routes run went up, but the snap count went down. Any concerns with that, Sean? I know that uh, obviously – they ran the ball effectively, but uh, I was a little concerned to see the snaps come down. Maybe they, once they're out of the game, uh, he wasn't on the field as much. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll have to see. Uh, I'll have to look into that if, you know, he played less later in the game. But, I mean, I'm assuming they just have him in passing situations is all, which is all we care about. We don't need him run blocking or anything. So maybe they're just saving him for passing plays, which is even better. But, like I said, I mean, he was running 80% of routes early in the season. So you, you have to figure it's just going to keep trending up. Uh, to close out the season. Yeah, I love that call. Fastest guy in the field, massive upside. Yeah, yeah totally agree there with John Ross. Raymon, uh, who do you like this week? I think there's only one answer to this question, and that's Devontae Parker. It's, it's, it's every week with this guy. The one week he didn't put up double-digit DraftKings points, he got hurt. He's done it every week since week uh, number four. He's, got, he's gotten the double digits. He's had upside ceiling games. He's had multiple touchdown games. Uh, double-digit targets in, you know, four of his last six games, uh, really four of his last five if you take out the one he got hurt in. Um, it's, it's been every week since, since uh, Preston Williams went out, especially his target share. It's been 22% or more in every week except the one he got taken out by until last and, and last week. Uh, so four of the last six, he's over 20%, and he, uh, 22%. And, yeah, double-digit drafting points every week. Bengals defense, Ryan Fitzpatrick – highly correlated with Parker because that's the guy he's thrown downfield air yards to a lot of the other guys Albert Wilson more of a underneath gadget guy where they throw their running backs a lot so love Parker this week for another smash is there um, any coincidence that uh, three Adam Gase alumni are tearing up right now Ryan Tannehill Devontae Parker and Kenyon Drake and uh, Le'Veon Bell sucks I don't know (laughs) Man. That was a great tweet by Levitan out there that went viral just uh, about about those exact guys. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That was uh, – I agree with you 100%, Sean. Great minds think alike. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, credit to Levitan. I didn't see that, but uh, good call, Levitan. <laughs> oh, it's, hard. Yeah, it's funny. You guys both brought it up. It's great. <laughs> All right, one guy I'm relatively high on is Julian Edelman. I know he's dealing with injuries and coming off a bad performance last week, but in the post-Josh Gordon era, he's just been getting a ton of targets, been a top-five wide receiver, and most importantly this week, uh, he avoids Tredavious White, who rarely goes into the slot. Uh, So I think it's still a good situation for Edelman, and I'm looking for him to bounce back. Pete, who are you relatively low on? Yeah, going back to the Dallas guys, um, I, I think I like Dallas the most. Uh, and Amari is certainly an interesting price tag, but the splits for Dak and Amari at home is massive. So going on the road here, um, I hate to speak badly about my boy Amari, but I think he, he's probably a fade for me. Um, I think there's some other spots here just in general. We'll see how the markets move. But, uh, you know, 
I love the Cortland Sutton call. I, I was really disappointed to see Kenny Galladay have a bad game last week. Be curious to see how Chris Harris plays in that game. So uh, Galladay, someone I'm normally really high on. I might be a little bit lower on the market right now uh, on him. And then one guy I want to get your guys' opinion on that is really interesting to project uh, for me right now is A.J. Brown, who is getting really, really expensive. And uh, after the performance by the Saints, uh, I'm a little nervous about him. I played him a ton last week, which was great. But this week he might be a fade for me. Uh, those are three players that are really talented that I normally like to play. Uh, am I crazy on any one of those guys? Sean, one, what are your thoughts on A.J. Brown? And then two, because Pete is off of Amari, is this the week that he goes off for <laughs> yeah, million I mean, dollars? Right. I mean, the Eagles are pass funnel defense, but, um, you know, I consider Pete the Amari truther, so I'll just fade along with them. But, yeah, I, I agree with the A.J. Brown call as well. Um, he's 7K now, so he's up there. And, you know, like we saw last night, the Saints defense is for real. I mean, it's tough, but I, I'm sure A.J. Brown would be over-owned at 7K. And there's plenty of guys just under 7K that I like more this week. So he's he's a pretty easy fade for me uh, this week, even though he does look like the real deal. I mean, next year he could be uh, wide receiver one heading into drafts. So um, love the talent, but this, this matchup, um, I'll, I'll be fading him as well. All right, Sean, who are you relatively low on? Um, I'm pretty low on, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say low on, but Tyler Lockett at 7,600. At home against the Cardinals, I mean, it's a great matchup. He's coming off a massive game. But, you know, he's a high-variance player where we kind of expect these spike games. And looking back to last year, um, he's had three games over 20 DK points, and he's averaged almost six points less than his average the next game. Um, so he's just a guy where you, you just want to sell high. There's better guys, um, like I said, in the sub-7K range. Like, i rather have a DJ Moore, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton, um, those types of players. So I, I won't be spending up to get Tyra Lockett's uh, regression game. Uh, I, I think he'll be pretty highly on this week because of uh, the matchup. And l- last week he just tore it up. So um, he, he's a sell-high guy for me this week. Way too expensive, 7,600. Raybon, what about you? I think A.J. Brown definitely is a fade. I, Marshawn Lattimore, we've seen some of these shadow matchups uh, just turn out really poorly uh, lately. You know, Amari with, with Jalen Ramsey last week and, uh, and Marshawn, T.Y. Hilton, Marshawn Lattimore. You know, they said Hilton was healthy, and I think part of the, the reason he struggled was just, uh, you know, getting caught up. So uh, do not like those, those guys. Um, Odell Beckham. Uh, is another guy really the the all the uh browns wide receivers going up against the ravens ravens have three really good cornerbacks and jimmy smith marlon humphrey and uh and marcus peters now so this could be a game where we see a ton of kareem hunt and and nick chubb getting a little more involved in the passing game his his targets have been going down lately but this this baltimore team can cover so i don't really want any part of of any of the browns offense in this one all right, one guy I am looking to stay away from off of the main slate, Brashad Perryman. Uh, I mean, I it's it's maybe like talking out of the other side of my mouth and that I say I really like Jameis Winston this week. But, you know, Brashad Perryman, have to admit, great matchup, great offense, but uh, an inconsistent producer for the past half decade. And uh, especially on a shorter slate for uh, the Saturday games, um, I'm imagining he will have a lot of ownership. So he would be someone I might be looking to stay away from. Sean. Give us the wide receiver prop. So uh, I was taking some notes when Pete mentioned him earlier. He likes him. But um, Terry McLaurin, uh, receiving yards at home against the Giants. He's always a tricky guy to project because, you know, Haskins has been so brutal. Uh, but, you know, Haskins, uh, he broke out last game. He looked pretty good. So 
Uh, I'm trying not to get uh, too high on McLaurin, uh, but I have met 59 and a half receiving yards. So uh, where, where do you guys stand on that? Pound the over. Absolutely <laughs> pound the over. And, and he is a bad – his mean's going to be higher than his median. So in a lot of ways I should be taking the under. But I was more impressed with Haskins. I think this is a really, really good matchup. And McLaurin is just so talented. Yeah. I mean, he really just needs one one catch to, to, to bust that. Um, yeah. But that's probably a really donkey take and why I've dusted it off with Sean's props in general. Uh, that's a classic mean versus median thing. I think his mean's much higher, but his median – is probably uh, is lower. So I'll be a fish and go over just because I love him as a tournament play this week, but good good number. Yeah, I have him a little over. I have him at, uh, at 66. And when you look at the Redskins, they really, you know, two, uh, who is a Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson are out for the year. They don't really have a tight end that catches passes because Jeremy Sprinkle, he gets like two <laughs> targets a game. And, and now you have Adrian Peterson, as you mentioned, Sean, running a lot of the pass routes, and he's not a guy that I think is going to like command an above-average target share. So you have the situation where targets kind of just get funneled to McLaurin, and I, I believe he entered last week leading the league in air yards. Uh, I got to check if he still does, but, you know, like, like Pete said, all he, all he needs is one catch. Um, when you lead the league in air yards, you have about 40%. Um, and the Giants, they don't have Janoris Jenkins anymore, so they don't really have anyone that could cover him. Yeah, Raymond, I am right there with you exactly. I have him for 66.2 yards. I mean, the thing is, so yeah, they, they cut Janoris Jenkins, but it's not like he was playing all that well this season anyway. And I mean, the three cornerbacks that they have left, uh, DeAndre Baker, a rookie who is just getting flamed, Sam Bill, a, uh, a second-year supplemental draft pick who got no action last year and has been really inconsistent this year, and then Corey Ballantyne, playing in the slot as a, a fill-in who's just been flamed repeatedly. It, like this, this is the worst secondary, or at least the, the worst trio of cornerbacks in the league right now. And that's including the travesty that is trotted out in Miami every week. Like these, <laughs> these guys somehow are worse than what Miami is doing. So uh, I, I definitely like the matchup for uh, Terry McLaurin. Just on that, I was just looking at his game log. So six out of 14 times he's gone over that number. One, he was just right short, but he's at 833 yards in, in you know, 14 games. So it's this, this is like the epitome of the mean versus median. He's yeah. averaging 59, 60 yards a game, but his median outcome has actually been worse. So really sharp line, Sean. And uh, those of you betting props and thinking about this stuff, it's really important to distinguish those two things. Yeah, last night I, I did um, – my player prop was Ted Ginn under 29 and a half yards. And I go in depth on exactly what you said. My, the median projection room was like 31 and the median I simmed it out was like 25. Um, so yeah, well, hopefully we can do more uh, pieces on that going forward, but great point. The mean versus median is definitely in play with uh, a guy like McLaurin. All right, let's look at the tight ends. The, uh, the big three at the top of our rankings, no surprise. Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz, of course. Kelsey is playing on Sunday night football. Kittle is playing on Saturday night. So Ertz is the only one of those three on the main slate. Pete, is there uh, another guy that you would want to include in the top tier of tight ends this week? I think in terms of points per dollar, there's a clear standout, and he's been in that tier all year, uh, and that's Austin Hooper. Obviously, he was hurt, but I do think he's uh, someone we can look to. You know, the targets have been down since coming out the entry. Julio soaked up so much target share, but, man, this Jacksonville team is really, really bad. Uh, Darren Waller also in that same kind of tier. I've been so high on all three of those guys, and it worked out really well last year. This year, it's worked out decently. I think people, uh, it wasn't working out initially, but 
the recent surge by Kelsey and Kittle uh, has been pretty nice, especially in like the shorter uh, drafts, given uh, Kamara's been kind of a bust and, and Saquon hasn't had a great year. So um, in DFS, you know, I think it's site specific. We've been loading up on uh, the top end, uh, tight ends on FanDuel and then on DraftKings. It's been really about nailing the value guys. So this week specifically, I think Hooper is the, the best points per dollar playing the guy I'm highest on relatively. But yeah, there's a lot of compelling options and tight end has been a, a good position down the stretch here this NFL season. Sean, who do you like? Yeah, I'm right along Pete on Hooper. I mean, when I saw he was 4,400, that was Christmas, you know, a week early for me. You know, he, he's in my top three, and yet he's priced, I, I think he's like the sixth or seventh uh, most expensive tight end. You know, he was eased back in a bit uh, two weeks ago at 69% of routes, and last week he jumped back up to 78, which is pretty much in line, um, his rate, uh, you know, earlier in the season when he was healthy. So I think we can expect Hooper to, um, you know, aggress to what we saw early in the season. And at the very end of that game, um, you know, Julio Jones got that game-winning touchdown, but it was actually Hooper who made a shoestring catch that they actually overturned. But if they let him let that touchdown stand, I think his price would be $500 more expensive. So that's a case of, I think, people overlooking, you know, touchdown luck. So um, especially at home against the Jaguars, um, they've been pretty brutal against tight ends lately. So Love Hooper at 4,400 this week. I, I mean, I'm going to have maximum exposure on him at that price. There, there really isn't much uh, reason to, to explore other options uh, when he's that cheap. Raybon, who do you have your eye on? Yeah, I love, I love Hooper, and I love the guy right under him. More of a kind of pivot in GPPs, I think, because obviously Hooper, you know, at only $200 more than Jacob Hollister is, is the play. But I also think Hollister is in a, a pretty big spot. You know, if you look at, you know, the Cardinals against tight ends, right back to it with Ricky Seals-Jones, you know, catching catching one last week. Hashtag revenge, hashtag right. narrative street. Oh, flow chart, hashtag flow chart, just everything possible. Really, the only tight ends that haven't hit against Arizona are these, like, washed-up guys like Tyler Eifert and, sad to say, Vance McDonald. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he's – I don't know what's wrong with him. But, yeah, Hollister is – Essentially, no worse than the fourth option on Seattle. Uh, Carson, you could kind of consider him the third, depending on the game. But I think in this spot, uh, you're going to see uh, Russell Wilson target Hollister. Cause, and he's targeted Hollister uh, a lot in – he's at least 12.5% since he took over as a starting uh, tight end. And we also remember Will Disley was, you know, outperforming expectations in essentially their number three option when he was healthy as well. So – uh, I think that this is a good spot for Hollister. But again, he's not as good of value as Hooper, but I think Hooper will still get a lot more ownership uh, just because he, there's no way he should be priced under Jack Doyle. Like, I don't, I don't even know how that happens. All right, one guy I'm relatively high on is Ertz. And I, I mean, I know we have him in the top three, but it's, it's my ranking that I think, like I have him number three and I honestly might move him up to number two. Like I need to think about this more and kind of crush some numbers. But in his six games uh, without Alshon or the, like including games in which Alshon played but left early, Ertz has had 16, 7, 11, 14, 13, and 10 targets. Like, he's just getting so much usage when Alshon is not on the field. And then he's going against the Cowboys, who are pretty poor in tight end defense. So, uh, I like Ertz quite a bit this week. Peter, who are you relatively low on? When you start going through some of the guys, just in terms of raw projections and their price, um, you know, Jack Doyle coming off a bad performance might be someone, just because he's right next to Austin Hooper, 
Uh, Mark Andrews is a really expensive tag. I know it's you know a decent matchup and he's been efficient. It's tough. I mean, I think you want to prioritize someone like Hooper and the guys we just talked about. Um, and, and really the one thing that I think would be a, a huge mistake this week that we've seen some of the recreational guys make is just absolutely punting at tight end with guys who are, aren't going to see the volume. We have a ton of compelling options. Uh, there's like 10 to 15 players that we know are going to see a lot of volume. So the big mistake would be, you know, paying down for like, you know, the Nick Vanettes of the world uh, on the main slate. Sean, who are you looking to fade? Yeah, Pete mentioned, but uh, Mark Andrews at 5,900 is just way too expensive. Um, obviously, he has, you know, the ceiling to warrant that price, but we haven't really seen that much lately. And uh, last week, it, it was positive to see he, he ran, I think it was a season high, 67% of uh, routes run per dropback. Um, Nick Boyle stayed in a block. He didn't run a single route. Um, on Thursday Night Football. I, I think that was just more of a one game, um, just a game plan thing, and it's going to return to the three-headed monster, which, you know, that that saps Mark Andrews' upside, just the fact that they rotate in all three tight ends. Um, so at 5,900, it's just just way too expensive. There's there's a ton of cheap or, you know, options in the, the 4K range that Pete mentioned are getting a ton of usage, and just there's no reason to spend up uh, to get Andrews. Raybon, who are you looking to stay away from? I think, uh, you know, kind of hit on it before, Jack Doyle. There's no way he should be more expensive than Austin Hooper, and I don't think he should be more expensive than Hollister. Probably not Dallas Goddard either at this point. Doyle's always been a, a very low average up to target guy, and now it looks like T.Y. Hilton's going to remain in the lineup. Uh, saw him out there pretty late in the Monday night game. Uh, Carolina, uh, as you mentioned, Friedman, you know, they're exploitable on the ground. The coach just coming off a – a game where they got blown out and they couldn't really make any hay running the ball because the Saints have one of the better run defenses. I think they're going to kind of relish in the opportunity to get back to running the ball, home favorite against a quarterback making his first start. So uh, fading Jack Doyle at 4,500. All right, Sean, let's close this out with the tight end prop. Let's go with uh, Tyler Higby at San Francisco, total receiving yards. Um, and this, this is assuming uh, Gerald Everett is out. Um, but I have him at 53 and a half. I'll take the over. And, and this actually has less to do with uh, Gerald Everett and more to do with Jaquiski Tart, who I think is probably still going to be out as of recording. He still hasn't returned to practice yet. Uh, and he's the main tight end defender for the, the 49ers. And so even though they should be getting back Richard Sherman, uh, maybe they will also be getting back Juan Williams in the slot. I don't think they're going to get Jaquiski Tart back. So they're still even though for the season they have been very staunch against the tight ends, uh, this week I think they're going to uh, be relatively exploitable. And Higby's just been so fantastic without Everett that even if Everett returns, I think Higby is going to be the guy who uh, still ends up getting more of the workload there. Could be totally wrong about that because they've, they've alternated back and forth between the tight ends, so hard to know, but I'll take the over. So that's, a, that's a sharp line. I actually have it at 52 uh, so I will go under. And the reason I think there's a little more volatility involved in this matchup than the last couple. So you had a matchup against uh, Seattle, who doesn't really get pressure, drops into like that three deep zone. And you had a matchup against Dallas, who they do get pressure. But at the end of the day, they're, they're getting pressure with uh, four more often than not. So they're also kind of dropping back into this zone that you can exploit. The, the 49ers, they play a lot, a lot more multiple and they just get a ton of uh, pressure with their D-line up front. And so, you know, that could cause, you know, perhaps Higby has to 
stay into block, to chip, you know, things that could kind of throw him off his route. Perhaps they want to, um, you know, use him as kind of a, a decoy after three straight 100-yard games to kind of free up uh, Cup, Cup Woods or Cooks. I, 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 just, uh, I just think there's a lot of volatility um, to it. And this is probably the game where he finally has a little bit of a down game. Because even Jared Cook going off on San Francisco without Tart, I mean, Jared Cook's essentially like a he, – he's like a wide receiver almost. Um, I don't think Higby's quite that kind of player. So a um, little concerned about the matchup. I'll go under as well. Um, no detailed analysis other than Jared Goff on the road. is just much worse. Divisional game, tough opponent. Um, you know, Higby's been great. We, we got to ride uh, the cheap price tag. And shout out to Sean for uh, that week. We I went was very confident in the top three tight ends. Higby ended up being the top scorer, which you uh, – Oh, yeah, that's right. Podcast. That was a legendary <laughs> call. And uh, – I think I called two. I called two touchdowns though. He did it all on you know receptions and yards. Even uh, tougher to predict. But I was just joking with that. Got lucky. <laughs> well, humble as always, and uh, I, I, I'm off uh, Higby and the the Rams offense. I think on that slate specifically, I'll burn some more money on OJ Howard. <laughs> All right, you can follow Sean, Chris, Peter, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, CSURAM88, and Matt at the Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week, and please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.